Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, and it is so great to have you here with us on today's show. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a five-star rating and review. It means the world when you do that. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well. We're on the climb to 500 subscribers. What a big milestone that's going to be for the podcast. Thank you so much for your support on YouTube. Coming up on today's show, I'm so thrilled to be alongside my good buddy, Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Yesterday's show, we predicted the Duke men's basketball stat leaders. Coming up on today's show, we're going to fill in the blanks. I'm going to provide a statement for Duke football. There's a blank there. Put a word, put a player, put a coach in that spot. Pretty simple. You ready to rock and roll today, Josh? Yeah, and by the way, just for the listeners that are football uh, fans, next week we'll be releasing um, our season prediction for football. And uh, JJ's going to be with us next week as we talk about who we feel like is going to lead Duke football and stats and things of that nature. And so I was on here yesterday with basketball. He'll be on ours next week for football. Can't wait. Can't wait. You can find, again, the Section 17 podcast. Spell it out. Section 17 podcast, wherever you get your podcast, and it'll pop up right there. All right, let's get to it. Duke football got a few statements here that we're going to run through, and we're going to fill in the blanks for Duke football. Duke surpasses Mike Elko's first-year expectations if blank. I believe two answers here equal the same thing, and so I'll give them both to you. We have more than one ACC win, and then we make a bowl game. Okay. So I believe – I believe, and, and, and this this question and statement could be taken a couple of different directions, right? Are, are we talking about Mike Elko's – expectations for himself and for the Duke football right. team? Are we talking about the fan base's expectations for Mike Elko's first season? Administrations? There's a lot of ways to look at it. But I believe that all three of those people, Mike Elko, the fan base, and the administration, would be overjoyed with two ACC victories, and they'd be overjoyed with the possibility of a of a birth in a bowl game. And so, um, you know, you look at the non-conference schedule, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a second. You look at that. And there are four winnable games in non-conference. doesn't necessarily mean we're going to win every one of them. But if we were to win every one of them, we go into the ACC uh, season needing two victories to secure a bowl game. And so I believe those would be successes. Now, when, it, when, when the gun gets put to my head next week and I have to give the actual win-loss prediction for the season – I'm not going to share with you what my answer is going to be, but yeah. that answer may not reflect what I just said here. Uh, but once again, we're talking about surpassing correct expectations. And so I believe, I believe the fan base, uh, because sometimes the fan base can be a little um, illogical in all, in all teams, right? All teams, fan bases can, uh, but I believe we have to understand, you know, the, the transition, the turnover um, that took place, not only in the coaching staff, but on the roster. And, and, and we were, we were bad. I mean, we lost 17 out of 18 ACC games um, to finish out uh, David Cutcliffe's career at Duke. So 
this is not like a team that was right there. I mean, we were not competitive. This is 48 to nothing against Virginia. This is blow, getting blown out by Louisville. This is getting blown out, you know, pretty much every yeah. ACC game last year. So all that to say, I believe fans, administration, and Coach Uggle himself would surpass expectations if we made it to a bowl game. And if we did, that means we have to at least win two ACC games. I like that. I'm in agreement there. Bowl game for sure. Two ACC wins is awesome. Duke surpasses Mike Elko's first year expectations. If blank, I want to throw in as well. If there is constant energy throughout the season. And, and what I mean by energy is if you go back to last week's show here on Locked On Blue Devils, Josh, you and I took time to go through week by week talking about mm-hmm. the schedule for Duke football. And we threw out a couple of results from Duke against ACC teams over the last few years. And the score wasn't close. And so I, I, I'm not, I don't know that there has to be a number there, like if Duke stays within two touchdowns in every single ACC game. But if you can maintain a level of energy and maintain a level of excitement, given that it is year one, given that you are building towards something, I think you surpass any expectation that there is possible. Yesterday we talked about how excited basketball season is and how in November, where is our attention going to be divided? If we're still really engaged and really focused on Duke football as we go towards that final week of the season, knowing that Duke during Feast Week is going to be playing an amazing Phil Knight Legacy event tournament in Oregon, like that's, I think, where we've officially surpassed all those expectations. Yeah, and, and I mean, November is the toughest month on the schedule for Duke football as right. well. And so all of those things combined, as you said, if we have energy in November, then that's a good thing. And even if we're losing football games, if we're competitive and we know going into the fourth quarter we have a chance to win and we fall short for whatever variety of reasons, if Mike Elko can get uh, and talk to the players after the game and say, listen, we gave our best out there and we did our best and there's energy, you're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that that's really what we want. In culture over the last three, five years, I think energy has become such a trendy word that we kind of just throw out there. And so here I am, of course, throwing it in there. Uh, But I think it's important. I think it'd be big for Duke if they were able to do that. All right, let's move on. The most important position battle other than quarterback is blank. This was a tough one for me, um, but I'm going to go defensive back. Okay. Um, I want to go defensive back. Um, I was, you know, I was going to talk about a little bit about the offensive line here, but I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm going to, Save that uh, for another question. Uh, DB, you have um, Joshua Pickett, who's coming back for his second season, uh, and and you and and as we're at practices, you see a lot of Josh Pickett. Um, you have true freshman Chandler Rivers that we see a whole lot of, and he is he's built different, man. He is he does not look like a true freshman out there, both in the way he's his physique and in the way he plays. I mean, he, he's solid. You've got Tony Davis, a junior, who was highly recruited, four-star guy, if I'm not mistaken, um, and never really has uh, panned, you know, panned out. He he tweaked um, uh, an injury uh, last week, but nothing that kept him out. Um, he was back at practice the next day. You're seeing a lot of Tony Davis, and then Detron Young, Speedy Young, the transfer from Iowa State. Those are really the four guys that you're seeing. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure who's going to win those battles. I don't believe Speedy Young came to Duke to sit on the bench. So I think Speedy's going to get that nod. Um, and then if you're going to go, I, I don't know, maybe Tony Davis as far as physically. But I mean, you're going to see the rotation, right? And then, of course, I believe in the 
in the uh, as in the safeties. If we run those three safeties, it's going to be Jalen Stinson, Daquan Johnson, and another transfer, Darius Joyner, uh, taking up those safety spots. But I do think the DB battle is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, and also the way we looked at this question, I'm going to agree with DBs as well. Most important position battle for Duke football. Yeah. Look, the secondary has got to be there. This defensive front is going to do everything it can possible. Dwayne Carter is going to be leading the way, trying to pressure the quarterback, trying to make um, errant decisions for that quarterback. The DBs have to be in a great spot. And there are so many names, like you're saying, out there. Who's going to emerge? We're not necessarily getting into those predictions, but I do think protecting – or excuse me, defending the pass – Making yeah. sure that you're competitive defensively on that end is so, so important. And so I'm going to agree with you there on that one, Josh. Yeah, I think it's important too because last year we didn't get pressure on the quarterback. And when you don't get pressure on the quarterback, it, it just exposes the the back end of your defense, right? And so that didn't help. I do think, as you mentioned, with Dwayne Carter, VJ Anthony, Aeneas Peebles, Jamion Franklin, Michael Reese, RJ Oban, all these, you know, the, the yeah. knee line, I think is going to be pretty solid this year. And so I, I could see them helping out the secondary a little bit, which would be which would be a good thing. We've got a couple of more. Fill in the blank, Duke football version. We'll go to our next couple after this timeout here on Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils today is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a brand new flavor that's really delicious. It's covered in chocolate. It's the cookie dough flavor. That's right. Let me introduce you to what's going to be your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in there. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and your family today. Again, covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. All right, welcome back into Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Let's keep it moving. The toughest non-conference game for Duke is blank. Well, it's obviously down – I believe it's down to two yeah. um, to choose from here. I'm going Kansas um, at Kansas. Um, I believe that's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, They're a much improved team from when we played them last year. Um, Northwestern was not good last year. Uh, we are very – I feel like we are more familiar with Northwestern. Um, and even if we lose that Northwestern game, I still think the toughest yeah. is going to be Kansas. I think there's going to be some mental hurdles. If we happen to go into that Kansas game 3-0, and I think there's going to be a little bit of pressure on the team knowing that, hey, if we want to make a bowl game this year, we really do need to go 4-0 and in non-conference. So there's going to be some pressure. Um, and so – I'm nervous about the Kansas game. They got a good offense, um, and, and we'll see. So, you know, and, and Lance Leipold has done a great job and is doing a great, a great job there. Nothing against Fitzgerald, nothing against Northwestern, uh, but I'm going Kansas as our toughest non-conference game. 
Yeah, you got four options here. You got Temple and North Carolina A&T at home. You got Kansas and Northwestern on the road. Toughest for a program like Duke, it is difficult to play away from Wallace Wade Stadium. And I think Kansas is going to be a really tough and competitive game for Duke this season. So I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going Jayhawks on that one too. The most exciting Duke offensive player over the last decade is blank. Again, I didn't say it was all 2022 yeah. football topics today on the program. So let's talk about this one. The most exciting Duke offensive player over the last decade is who, Josh Cox? Um, I'm going Jamison Crowder. Um, graduated in 2015, I believe, 2014. So definitely makes it in. He's an yeah. elder statesman of the decade. Uh, but – when, when I think, I mean, honestly, my favorite all-time Duke football player is Jameson Crowder. And so um, I believe he's the most electric. Um, he was the most exciting. I mean, it's not just that catch, right, that he's so famous for, um, even though that was an incredible catch. There were just multiple highlights um, throughout his time at Duke, just the electricity that he brought to the field. In fact, since then, we have compared the next guys to him, right? It's been TJ yeah. Roming. Oh, he's going to be the next Jameson Crowder. Jalen Calhoun. Oh, he's going to be the next Jameson Crowder, right? So we, we've we almost put that on, guys. Like, he's the standard for offensive firepower at Duke. And so uh, my number one most exciting Duke offensive player of the last decade is Jameson Crowder. I know there's another guy that could be number one here, but I'm going with Crowder. Yeah, Crowder is outstanding, and I think ultimately I am going to agree with you on Crowder here. Uh, you look at the offensive player, quarterback is something that a lot of people want to talk about, and so Daniel Jones was certainly Absolutely. great. But it's just I think it's a different level of excitement when you talk about a player who's not the quarterback, who has to yeah. do something to get the football and elicit an exciting reaction. I think your defense of Crowder as well, how after he's left the program, you're looking for that next guy, just adds to your case. Like, clearly this guy was so exciting, we're looking for the next version of him. I'm curious if we fast forward six, seven years, if we're saying the same things about Mateo Durant at the running back spot. Because, man, this is, uh, of course, recency bias, and so we can't talk about – the next Mateo Durant and a couple of names that were out there. Cause again, we haven't even played a football game yet since he left the program and started his professional career. But I would not be surprised at all if we have those same thoughts about Mateo Durant here in a few seasons. Yeah. I mean, you have to put the guy who, who broke the single season rushing record. He's got to be in the conversation. <laughs> you know, he's got to be. Um, I was actually also thinking, I mean, I know this is offensive player and you don't have a question on here about defensive player, but like, just shout out Devon Edwards. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Shout out Devon Edwards. Extremely exciting player. Undersized. You know what I mean? Like a lot of things going against him. And my man had a knack for getting to the football, getting interceptions, and he was a great kick returner, punt returner. But I know you didn't ask for defense. Yeah. So I was just throwing that out there. Or say, well, you know, we could throw defense out there. I'm creating content, Josh. That's I'm bringing good. folks back for another – when we do this the second time around – You'll hear my defensive player, most there exciting defensive player go. of the last decade. All right, next up, the most talented position group in 2022 is blank. I, mm, this is a, this is a good one, man. I'm gonna mesh two groups together because they basically do the same thing. I'm gonna go with our offensive line and our tight ends. 
that okay. line. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm bringing that together because, uh, okay, I am all in on Nikki Dalmon this year. You do I'm, realize you just created a new position group. I did. In it's the, the people on the, the line sport, there. Right there. The history of the sport of football. <laughs> Josh Cox just created a new position group. Okay. If I have to choose between those two, I'm going to go. No, I would, no st- stick to your guns, man. Stick to your guns. I, I just, I am all in on Nikki Dalmon, a guy that, that gains 22 pounds. And unofficially, we've heard some reports of some speed that he's been clocked at, yeah. um, like that is beating beating wideouts and beating DBs in speed. And he's gained twenty two pounds. I'm just looking forward to seeing him and Finney and 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 Kate Anders, all those guys. But offensive line, uh, not only are we returning the bulk of our offensive line, and I, uh, no pun intended, uh, but we're returning the bulk of our offensive line. Shout out Jack Wallaba. Hope you enjoy your retirement, all that stuff. Um, but we are we got in three transfers right on the offensive line who are who are pushing. They're pushing guys. Yeah. And we've even seen this, and I think I can talk about this because there was an open practice on Sunday. So uh, yeah. people saw this. Jacob Monk has moved over to center. Um, and that has opened up that right guard spot. Looks like Chance Lytle and others are getting a lot of looks there at right guard. And I believe what, and nothing, I don't believe it's anything against Addison Penn and Brian Foley. Um, I believe at the end of the day, it was just uh, they want to put the best five guys in that first unit. Yeah. And it just so happens in order for that to happen, you needed to move Jacob Monk over. And so our offensive line is, I mean, Jalot, Graham Barton. You know what I mean? Like uh, Jacob yeah. Monk. Like we could just go down the list. McIntyre, you know, I think they're going to be really solid. And here's the good thing. Um, we're obviously breaking in like a new running back kind of room a little bit. Jordan Waters has been there, but the rest of the guys, a new running back room, obviously a new quarterback, a new scheme. Right. Everything's brand new. And what could really hold you together is time. Yep. And the quarterback needs time. The receivers need time to get open. Running backs need space. That all centers on the offensive line. And so I'm going – they're our most talented position group. Uh, I'm going with them being the most stable group, and I think they're going to have to lead us if we're going to be successful. I'm going to go offensive line, too, for all the reasons you just laid out there, and I'll take a time to shout out Chance Lytle because you talk about talent. The internet is absolutely loving the opera singing that we're seeing from him. He's interacting on Twitter with the Section 17 podcast. Guys, again, go follow you and your team, Josh, at Duke FB Talk on Twitter. Um, we're talking talent in more ways than just yeah. on the field. And, uh, man, what a group that was. And, again, shout out to Chance Lytle. Yeah, no doubt. Those vocal cords, man, talented. <laughs> Some talented vocal cords for sure. All right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> That's great. Uh, the biggest question mark of Duke football in 2022 is blank. Man, so I have two answers to this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving them both. Uh, the biggest question mark, un, uh, everyone is probably expecting me to say one thing. I'm I'm going to stick with my guns in the secondary. It's the biggest question mark. Okay. Um, absolute biggest question mark. Um, I, I, I don't know what's going to be uh, – I don't know what the two deep is going to look like, especially with the safeties. Right. Um, you've got guys like Isaiah Fisher-Smith, Cam Bergeron, who plays a little bit of both DB and safety um, guys like that. Um, and then there's some new guys, some young guys that have come in. Um, but 
I believe that secondary is the biggest question mark. And if, if the secondary is as bad as it has been over the last couple of seasons, um, I mean, we gave up over 500 yards a game last year. And that just can't happen. And so that's my biggest question mark. When you lose 11 players from that room uh, from last year's team, um, what's going to be, what's going to take place? Yeah. So I know that, I know you may have a different answer and I I respect the other answer, but I think the question mark is a secondary. Is your second answer quarterback? Absolutely. Okay. But the reason why it's not the biggest question mark. I'm going quarterback. I'm going quarterback. Tell me why you think it's not the biggest question mark. Because at the end of the day, listen, let me spare Duke fans all the drama, okay? <laughs> They're both going to play. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, look, listen, we are all this – we're this far into fall camp. We just had an open practice where anybody who wanted to could come watch what was going on. Those guys are 50-50 splitting time with the with the ones and the twos. Um, they're, they're, it's not going to be like – it will not be Riley Leonard wins the starting job and we never see Jordan Moore except for like – once, once a half. No, it's going to be if Riley Leonard happens to win the starting job, we're going to see Jordan Moore like every third series, or, or we're going to see Jordan Moore on the field with Riley Leonard in a lot of packages. Or if Jordan Moore wins the starting job, we're going to see Riley every third series. I don't think it's going to be that big, huge disparity. Now, here's where the question mark comes in with quarterback, and that is if if either one of those guys tweaks an injury. Then we go into a lot more question marks because you have Henry Beeland coming up behind them who looks really good, but he's a true freshman. Doesn't, you know, obviously he's got to get acclimated to college football. Right. Got to really uh, zero in on his, on his accuracy with passing the ball. Uh, but that's why the question mark to me is more, can we defend the pass as opposed to look, we're going to, we're going to have two quarterbacks and they're going to rotate. It just depends on who's going to be the two thirds guy. Who's going to be the one thirds guy. All right, here we are. Locked on Blue Devils taking a look at fill in the blanks for Duke football. Let's take a quick timeout and we wrap up our discussion next here on the program. Locked on Blue Devils here today on Thursday, August 11th. Make your second listen of the day, Locked on ACC, by taking a look at it. Everyday host Candace Cooper and the local experts like myself of Locked on take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. And also, for my North Carolina listeners, shout out to Julian Council and what he's doing for Locked On Panthers. I'm a big Panthers fan myself. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. We've got a quarterback battle there for the Panthers as well as the Duke Blue Devils like we've been talking about. So go listen to Locked On Panthers today too. Final few moments here on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks section 17 podcast if you're watching us on youtube please subscribe we are getting so much closer to 500 subscribers josh was with us at the very start our very first guest on the youtube version of the podcast and so to know that we're so close to 500 is unbelievable the support that we've gotten and if you're also watching us on youtube i'm sporting a bleed blue section 17 podcast shirt Tell folks about the shirt and then also just the journey we've had on YouTube here, Josh. Yeah, so the shirt's super soft, man. It's a soft-style shirt, comfortable, um, fits true to size, and, um, you know, that's, that's the mantra, bleed blue, right? And by the way, Duke fans, it's no longer Duke gang, all right? A couple things about Duke gang. That was football only, and it was the David Cutcliffe football uh, era. So, like, just newsflash, like, internally, Duke gang is – 
100% phased out from, from football. <laughs> so just FYI, uh, they got rid of all the Duke gang stuff. Right. Uh, all, in, anything anything on the walls that was Duke gang's gone, it's bleed blue. So that's it. So pick up your bleed blue. What you can do is go to at Duke FB Talk. Uh, you can look at our timeline and see it there, but then you can DM us uh, and we'll get you all the information that you need to get one. And then, yeah, the journey on YouTube. Let me just say this. Like, like work the system, guys. All of you have more than one Google login. You have like a couple of different Gmails. <laughs> like make sure you log in to all of your Gmails and then go to go to like this thing. Because here's the deal. JJ Thank would you agree for that, with this. Man. Hey, listen, I'll say it. You can you, you don't listen. It's not 500. The goal is to get over a thousand, right? So 500 Absolutely. is the step. The 500 is a step. The target is 1,000. And so if everybody can do that. Uh, get in there. We're going to be launching on YouTube, but not until next season. And so we'll be pushing like crazy when we get there. But uh, YouTube is a whole new world. And uh, if you're watching uh, this this morning on YouTube, we appreciate you watching for sure. Absolutely. All right. We got a few more here. Fill in the blanks on Lockdown Blue Devils today. Um, let's do a couple of more. The fondest memory of the David Cutcliffe era is blank. I want to switch this up. I'll, how about my fondest memory? of the David Cutcliffe era is blank because I think it's fair for this one to be a little bit more personal. So you go yeah. and then I'll go, Josh. Yeah. There are a lot of options here. And maybe after you give yours, we could talk about what the other options could have been. Yeah. Um, mine is going to be the 2013 Chick-fil-A bowl um, against Texas A&M in Atlanta. Uh, I was at the time living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I took the trip um, all the way down to Atlanta. Uh, actually Scott, um, and Jamie at the time, who two, who are also two of our hosts on the Session 17 podcast, uh, we were already hanging out, already doing stuff together. We went down there uh, together, and we had really good seats. About 13, I think, rose up in the end zone, and we watched us play our hearts out, man. And 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 shout out Anthony Boone, and shout out you know Jameson Crowder, shout out all those guys. Um, for just an incredible game. And yeah. I remember going into halftime up 21 thinking, man, we're not going to be able to stop them, but I don't think they can stop us either. So we're going to win this game because they're not going to be able to stop us three times. And, and sure enough, they did. And, and all due respect to Mike Evans <laughs> and Johnny Manziel and others uh, that played on that team. Um, but that was, to me, my fondest memory. What it did, it put Duke football legitimately on the map. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you noticed, uh, I think of the single Dylan Singleton, DeAndre Singleton, Dylan Singleton, uh, Georgia. Georgia became a, a recruiting hotbed for Duke. And still to this day, we've, we, we've continued in Georgia. But for those couple of years after 2013, man, we really pumped players through Georgia. And I believe it was because we did so well in that game. And, and people at the end of the night, I mean, Manziel has given us shout outs on Twitter and like, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. just a really good time, even in a loss. I know that's classic Duke football for the best thing to be a loss, but it was incredible to be out there to experience the game. I mean, you had Texas A&M fans come up to us after the game, like, man, you guys should have won that game. Like, we did not deserve to win this. Um, so that's what I'm going with. 2013 Chick-fil-A Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to go the exact same. Uh, uh, Johnny, man, it's Johnny football, man. And yeah. that team was really special and really good. And for Duke to get a win like that on a stage like that, New Year's era, you know, it's like you're, you're, you want to play in those bowl games, and Duke was able to do that after competing in the ACC championship football game that season to then go on and have such a dominant bowl game performance was absolutely epic. 
my fondest memory of the David Cutcliffe era is blank, and that's what we just answered. I think beating UNC three years in a row was yeah. pretty awesome to sit there and think about. What, what were other things in your mind? Yeah, so so obviously the uh, the Jameson Crowder catch to right. send us to our first bowl game um, was really, really important. Um, I think the uh, the Chaz Surratt uh, two-handed – uh, interception to, to Brian Fields, right. uh, returning it for a touchdown was a special moment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I think the Thad Lewis game, uh, NC State, where he threw for like 500 some yards and like broke a bunch of records. That was early on. I think the first or second right. year of the Cutcliffe era. Um, that was that was a big a, a major ordeal. And then I think the uh, Pinstripe Bowl, Indiana, getting that bowl victory. Um, was was huge as well, like in in Yankee Stadium. You know, I still don't know if that field goal was good or not at the end there, but we're gonna say it was no good because we got the win. Yeah. Um. But uh, but those were just some some big highlights for sure. I love it. All right, we got uh, two more here. I'm gonna throw them both at you, Josh. Yep. I'm a little long on time, so take both yeah, of these for me. Duke beats UNC this year if blank, and then Duke's best player in 2022 is blank. All right, Duke beats UNC this year if Josh Downs does not play in the game. <laughs> wow, that's all. That's that's what I'm going to wow. say. Wow, because because hear me out. I what know they have a receiver. Yeah, I know they have a quarterback issue that they got to figure out. That's right. fine. But that guy is so dominant, and yeah. he gets so He's many really looks. Good. And what did we just talk about seven minutes ago? Yeah, our I, biggest I, question mark. The secondary. Right. And the most important position battle, the secondary. Secondary. So, like, in my opinion, if Josh Downs is able to get out on that field and run around, it's going to be hard for us to win that game. Now, if something happens, God forbid, but I'm saying for any reason, suspension, injury, whatever, if he happens to not be available for that game for whatever reason, we we have a good shot at winning that. Now, can we still win the game? Absolutely. We can still win that game. But I think our, our our best bet of beating them is if their number one offensive threat is just MIA. So uh, whatever that means. And secondly, oh, Duke football's best player in 2022. Ooh, okay, I'm going to give you one on the defense, one on the offense. I'm going to go Shaka Hayward on the defense. Yeah. I'm going to go Jalen Calhoun on the on offense. On the offense. Okay. So, best player for me in 2022, I'm going Shaka Hayward. Shout out what yeah. that guy can do on the, on the field and – um, man, he's so much fun to watch. And, and so let me you gotta, you gotta answer the Duke and beats UNC this year. Duke, if. Yeah, sorry, Duke beats <laughs> UNC this year. If I don't know that'll be as harsh and say if Josh Towns doesn't play. Uh, and also, I want to point out that my fondest memory of something I brought up beating UNC three years in a row that's pretty remarkable. That is, um, I'm all for that. I'm gonna say, um, if Duke, I mean, I could cop out and just say if they take care of the football and give you cliche right. football talk and that sort of thing. But I, I do think that um, dominating the line of scrimmage against mm-hmm. a team like UNC always helps. That's going to be at a, a portion of the year where we already have a better idea of that offensive line. Like we're talking about North Carolina has a totally revamped defensive front. Gene Chizik yeah. has returned the former Auburn football head coach that won the national title with Cam Newton. He's been a defensive coordinator at North Carolina before with Mac Brown also was his defensive coordinator at Texas. That defense has improved. And I think that Duke being dominant on the offensive side of the ball is going to be really important to drag out those football games, to take away the time of possession for North Carolina, for them to throw 
the football to Josh. So there's not a cop-out answer for you. That's my, yeah, my answer was so much simpler. My answer was so much simpler. <laughs> Josh Downs at that point is like, you know what? I'm, I'm done for the season. I'm waiting. I'm going to go to the NFL. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, like whatever happens, Josh Downs, just he decides to transfer midseason. Like whatever happens there. But uh, Or maybe, you know, he – he misses curfew. You know what I'm saying? Something. Just I'm not. I'm not wishing anything bad on him. I'm just saying, like, if for some random reason, yeah. Josh Downs does not suit up. You know. So anyway, <laughs> oh, it's going to be perfect. a fun season, though, yeah. man. We uh, there's been a lot of humor on today's edition of the program. Yeah. this has been fun. This has yeah, been fun. for sure, man. I hope and I hope Duke fans are ready for football season. You know, I mean, yeah, I know we are. With you being with you being out of state, it's a little bit different, but like. Duke fans that are within in state uh, in the state of North Carolina, um, I mean, you know, I want to encourage you. If you look at the ticket prices, you if you're going to come to two games, you might as well get season tickets. Yeah, uh, it, you know, it just works out that way. And so, by the way, still have a promotion running with Duke football uh, ticket office. If you call in to get season tickets, ask for Christina. She's our rep. Um, let her know that you listened to the Section 17 podcast or you heard about it through that. Uh, we'll send you out a free shirt. So we've been doing that. Send out a free bleed blue shirt. Uh, to people, just trying to get them drum up some more people to get see, season tickets. So we've got Heck a little partnership yeah. there with the ticket office. So that's pretty awesome. All right, buddy. Yeah. Hey, this has been an awesome show. I enjoyed filling in the blanks. We've got more blanks that we can do in the future. All right. Uh, and so, what, uh, Josh? Thanks for being on the show today. Twenty-two days to kickoff. Thanks, JJ. We're getting there. We're getting there. It is almost here, ladies and gentlemen. Duke football right around the corner. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson. If you haven't done so already, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching us on YouTube, follow Josh's advice. I'd appreciate log into all the Google accounts you got out there. Press subscribe on YouTube. It really does help support this program. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.